0: Sprout, JC here and this week we're in this book here by Jeff Goins and it's called uh, The Art of Work. It's really a good book and uh, I recommend that you keep this in your library for yourself. Again this class that we're talking about here this idea of purpose is really all about you. Most of the work that you're doing in whether it's the M- uh, the MBA program or the leadership program really has to do with learning how to be a better leader and kind of the art and science behind that data, all that stuff. These one unit classes, uh, they're really for you um, to kind of go deep on yourself and figure out, well, what is my purpose? Right. So that you don't get out there in the real world and you realize this isn't what I'm meant to do. Now, some of it, you're going to have to do that. We've had a couple students in our leadership programs, and I'm so proud of both of them. Both of them came into the leadership programs with kind of an idea about what they wanted to do tried out those things that they wanted to do. And they were actual jobs that they were doing. You know, they weren't fake. I don't know if there's anything such as a fake job, but it wasn't, uh, they didn't have jobs, you know, the kind of jobs that you think of that people kind of get to, to get to something else. That's, uh, they had full on careers. And through our, our programs at Point Loma, I think they would say this, uh, they were able to figure out that this is not what I'm supposed to do. One was a teacher in a bona fide school district here in San Diego. I mean, you're talking that's good pay, good salary. And she decided so much that this was not what she was supposed to do. <laughs> she ended up, get, she ended up uh, getting married this summer. And um, and so because she has a spouse that works and is able to bring an in income, she pulled back from her job and now she's in a search for what's next. I think that's an amazing thing. And I applaud her for doing that as opposed to staying in something that's going to consistently uh, bring frustration in into her life. Now I know not not everybody, and she would say this. Not everybody has the ability to do that—to back out and have a spouse that can, you know, that kind of uh, supports them through that time. But I'm excited for those people who do it. What they're doing, what these, and then the other student has kind of a similar story. But what they're doing is they're is they're figuring out what is it that I'm meant to do. On this planet now, both of these these ladies are in their twenties, and so that's a good time to do it. It's a little tougher when you get to be about my age when you're in your forties. Although I did, and we're not here to talk about me, but I did make a huge transition uh, in my in my early forties uh, just a few years ago. I was on a ministry track, thought I was going to go be a pastor or something like that, and I just realized that I don't you know, I didn't want this world. I want. I wanted to be out in the marketplace. I wanted to be teaching at a, a university. I wanted to be training and consulting uh, for businesses out there. And so I had a, a tough decision to make, but I'll tell you, it took about 18 months of severe pain and fear and anxiety and not knowing where the next paycheck was coming from. It was one of the, it was one of the hardest times of my life. I look back now and I say it was one of the best times in my life. And it got me to where I am today. I'm, I'm I consider myself a, a lucky one. I get to do exactly what I want to do in life. Um, but there was a lot of pain, a lot of fear, a lot of anxiety, and uh, I'd say some failure, a lot of rejection in those 18 months. Um, so, so that's hard to do. But I think. For for me, it was important because purpose is important. And that's why this class is so important, because I want you to find your purpose. And if you can do this in your 20s or 30s, more power to you. I'd rather have you do it then than have to make that change in at 40 and realize, hey, I'm not on the path I want to be on. So let me make that, let me make that transition. I want to see you be able to do it now. So anyway, let's get to what Jeff Goins has to say. Now, this isn't going to be a long pod, a long podcast, because I just want to read a few statements he makes in chapter one. I mean, he's got like five chapters in the first chapter. There's so many things we could read, but here's here's what I really want to talk about. <clears throat> I just want to read a couple statements that he makes, and then uh, we'll get to kind of our assignment today. So he talks about this idea that happiness is overrated and that the pursuit of happiness is what probably gets most people in trouble. And he talks about the two different stories that we hear, you know, when people talk about their story and how they made it to wherever they are, especially the really successful ones, when we sit down and listen to them, like a billionaire or a top-rated nonprofit executive, whatever it is, first you, what he would say, first you hear is the tale of the self-made person, right? The self-made man or the self-made woman. And this is a person who's driven and they've overcome obstacles. And what they do is they set that goal, they work hard, and they achieve their objective. That's kind of the self-made man, the self-made woman, right? And the second story that we kind of hear is kind of the opposite. It's instead of a self-made, it's really what he calls a determined path, that this is something that's that's been scripted for somebody for better or for worse, right? So we think about maybe royalty, right? That's like the top 1%, right? Their path has been scripted out for them from the day they're born because of their bloodline, whatever it is, they're going to become XYZ because- that's what they were born into their path is scripted for them or maybe they have a father who is a powerful ceo or powerful business person who's kind of scripted out their life ahead of them uh but then the you know the other kind of scripting that we see which is it's tougher to watch is the person whose life is from day one maybe they're born into poverty they're born uh, they're born into lower socioeconomic circumstances and uh so because of that um they they find a lot of struggle and their path is scripted out, but it's scripted out in more of a what we might say is more of a um, disempowering way. There's no choice there. OK, <clears throat> so he talks about that. And it's important for us to understand kind of where we fall in that. But then he talks about and that's kind of what this book is about is a third way. And and he asked the question, what if there was more to your purpose than getting what you wanted? What if there were some things you couldn't control uh, but how you reacted to those situations made a difference. Is there a purpose to your life or um, are we all just bouncing around in this chaotic universe? He goes on to talk about 13% of the world's workers are, are engaged. Only 13% of the world's workers are engaged. And I tell you, that's one of the reasons why I do what I do. That This is my greatest passion is how do we increase engagement in the workplace? We all spend a third of our lives for the most of us in the workforce uh, and so I think that time needs to be valuable, that time needs to be well spent. And so I, I'm giving the rest of my life to that mission. Um, he talks about the other 87% feel disconnected from work and more frustrated than fulfilled. So really, 100% of the people uh, are not, uh, what said that only 13% are engaged. So 87% of the people, right, are disconnected from the work, are disengaged from their work. Okay. And so out of... Uh, 10 people, if you have a team a team of 10, only 1.3, so that's really one of those people on your team is really engaged. The rest of the nine, if you can imagine, are disconnected. They feel frustrated and they're not fulfilled. I mean, imagine that. Imagine working on a team. We're in a business and leadership program here. Imagine leading a team where nine out of 10 people on your team aren't connected. That's gonna decrease profitability, decrease impact, d- decrease effectiveness, decrease engagement, and all of that goes to the bottom line, whether you're in a for-profit or non-profit, okay? And then he says this right here, when you're stuck f- fulfilling an obligation instead of chasing a dream, you aren't your best self. So he, so here's what he says. He says, um, humans, human beings are not hard- hardwired uh, for seeking pleasure and avoiding pain, but that's typically what human beings do. We spend our whole life trying to avoid pain. Uh, And seeking pleasure. And what he's saying is that we're not really hardwired for that. If anything, it's probably the opposite. If you look at the history of human beings and how we've been and how we've evolved over time, human beings have really been, it's about purpose. And and the purpose may just be trying to find the next meal, whatever it is, but human beings are wired to be out there searching for that next thing and working and tilling the land and tilling the ground, right? Uh, He goes on to say that human beings want meaning in spite of what we say, we don't want happiness. It's simply not enough to satisfy our deepest longings. We are looking for something more, something transcendent, a reason to be happy. So here's what he has to say. He says, there's three things that make for uh, a a meaningful life. If a person wants meaning, here are three things they need. Number one is this, they need a project. That's something in front of you. That's I would say that's your mission. That's your vision. And uh, hopefully at the end of this class, you'll have a For those of you who might be struggling with this, you'll have a better understanding of what that is. So you'll need a project. He says, number two, everyone in order to have meaning in their life needs to have a significant relationship. And those of you who have families that you really care about, maybe you have a partner or a a spouse that you really care about. Maybe you have kids that you really care about. Maybe it's parents, you know, sisters, brothers, cousins, whatever it is, Uh, there's something in those relationships that provides you something to work towards. And then third, and this is a deeper one that we could really talk about for quite a while. He talks about a redemptive view of suffering, a redemptive view of suffering. And and here's what that really means. That redemptive view of suffering means that we, 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 we don't see suffering as a bad thing. Instead, we see suffering as something that grows us and helps us to reach our full and highest potential. Um, something that, 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 that pushes, you know, that, that pushes us forward towards our purpose. Uh, something that builds character. I think that's one of the most important things is something that builds character in who we are. And so when we're going through a tough time, instead of, you know, sitting there and looking at that tough time and saying, woe is me. And I'm, you know, this is horrible and life is bad and people are bad. Instead, we look at it and say, well, what's the lesson in this? You know, I'm trying to become a better leader. I'm trying to become a better person. What's this lesson trying to teach me? Whatever this lesson is. And so it's that redemptive view of suffering that anytime I go through something, whether it's having to change a flat tire on the freeway or, you know, those uh, those of you who have kids like I do, maybe you're wrestling with, with issues with your kids. Maybe it's a health issue that you're going through and you got that news from the doctor that you didn't want to get. Maybe it's something at work. You've got a boss that you can't stand. You've got coworkers that you don't like. OK, uh, maybe you're in a marriage, you're in a relationship that's not bringing you happiness, it's not bringing you joy, as opposed to looking at it and saying, woe is me and suffering is bad and I need to do whatever I can do to get away from suffering. What we could do is look at it from a different perspective and saying, what character is this building inside of me? Abraham Lincoln, uh, it, it's a known fact, and I haven't studied this a lot, but it's, it's a known fact that Abraham Lincoln, one of our former presidents, I think he was our 16th president, if I'm correct, Uh, It's a known fact that he had a very tough marriage. It it wasn't an easy marriage. He decided that he was going to have a redemptive view on that and, and use it to build character. And so he stayed in it, stayed in it, and it didn't bring him happiness, but it brought him who he was. Abraham Lincoln, another part of his story is he had failure after failure after failure, but that moved him into the presidency. And I think most people would agree he's one of the greatest presidents of all time. But it's because he had a redemptive view of suffering. So that's really key. He goes on here on page 11. He says, stop trying to be happy. Okay. And then he tells a story and this, this try, you know, this gets to, to kind of the heart of some of the work we're going to do. If you've read the, if you're able to read, you know, this chapter and and I didn't tell you to read it. So it's, it's not like I'm expecting you to, but, but if you go back and read chapter one, he tells this great story. It's kind of a juxtaposition between two men that died. Both of them got news of cancer. One, I think it was brain cancer. And the other one was, was a different kind of cancer. And both of them approached it in a different way one decided he was going to lean into it and say that this is my journey this is what it is I'm, I'm gonna make the best of it he wrote letters to his family um he wrote letters, especially to his kids he did everything he could to prepare them he spent time comforting the people around him you know saying hey you're gonna be okay I'm gonna be okay this is part of the journey and uh, he ended up passing away nine months after he got the diagnosis and his first surgery. So he was gone within a year of that diagnosis. The other person died within uh, three or four months, I think is what the book talks about. But the other person, when they got the news, decided, I'm going to ignore it. It's not happening. It's not as bad as what they say it is. And so I'm going to act like that this isn't the case. I'm not going to write letters to my children. I'm not going to prepare them. And he went out with a bang and there was a lot of resentment held behind because he didn't approach it in the way that he should have and so I think the purpose that Jeff, the author of this book, is 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 trying to bring us around as we're looking at this art, as as we're looking at this idea of purpose, is is to understand the most important things in life. So here's what I want us to do, okay? As as we wrap up our podcast, here's kind of the assignment that I want you to do. First, just write down the three things we talked about that in the podcast. What are the three things that give life meaning? And then I want you to name what those are for you. Okay, so list out what those three are and then say, um, so here's the answer to the first one. And here's what that looks like in my life right now. Here's the answer to the second one. And here's what that looks like in my life right now. Here's the answer to the third one. Right. And here's what that looks like in my life right, right now. Or here's how I view this in my life or how I have viewed this in my life or how I will view this in my life. Okay, so that's the first question I want you to answer. Name off the three things that give meaning in life, according to Viktor Frankl, I think was the one who talked about this, but I just talked about this in the podcast. The the second thing is this. We talked about he wrote a statement here that said, stop trying to be happy. That's what that's what gets a lot of people in trouble is they're they're trying to pursue happiness. Okay, and I want you to uh, just briefly, just a few sentences, talk about your own life and what is one way that you can stop trying to be happy? Okay. And here's what I mean by that. You know, if there's something in your life that you're pursuing that you think that once you get this thing, you're going to be fulfilled, what could it look like if you stop going after it? And that doesn't mean that maybe you're going out, you stop it, you stop going after it. Because for some of you, your business, and you're thinking, if I could just build this business and raise this money and, and get this business up off the ground and get, X amount of clients and get X amount of revenue and get my company to X amount of dollars in market valuation, then I'll be happy, okay? Now, I'm not saying you got to move away from that, but maybe you look at that and you say, okay, I'm going to stop doing that to make myself happy. And as we're going to talk about later in this course, I'm going to start doing this because I want to serve the work, okay? I'm going to do this because it's what I want to do. It's because it brings me joy, not because I'm seeking happiness from it. So I just want you to think about that what's one thing that you can do to stop trying to pursue happiness to stop trying to be happy and then the third part of our assignment today and this may take a little bit more i you know uh, this will probably take about a paragraph i want you to write a letter and i want you to think about a person in your life uh that means the world to you again it could be a partner spouse it could be a parent could be a kid a cousin it could be a who whoever it is friend and, and I want you to imagine that you just got the diagnosis you didn't want to get and you found out, hey, there's six to nine months and and you're going to, you know, you're not going to be around anymore. What is that re- that letter that you would write to that person? Whoever that person is, what would you say? in it? And just pick one person. Don't pick several. Pick one person. Don't write it to like, here's my, to my entire family. Write it to one person. And I want you to think about what is it that you would say in that letter to that person? The reason why we're doing all of this is hopefully, especially with the letter, it it, it causes you to pause in the busyness of life and the business of your homework and all the great things that you're doing in life right now it causes you to pause and just say, OK, what is the meaning of my life right now? What's most important? And If you have six to nine months to live and you're writing a letter to somebody, what is it you're going to say in that letter to that person? You can write whatever you want, but I think it's just a great exercise for us to stop and just think about what is most important. Hey, thanks so much for listening to this to this episode. I'll see you next week, and I appreciate the work that you're doing in this class. Um, have a great week. Reach out if you need me anytime. Take care, and I'll see you soon.